Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute, we're going to review one of our foundational single leg exercises, and that is the K-Box Split Squat. Just like with the squat, guys, make sure you got that tether taunt when you're at full extension, and set yourself a counterbalance. Here we're going to use the barbell on the rack. Sink it down just like a regular split squat, chest tall, and drive through that front foot. I really like that back plate there to take tension off that back toe. As we progress forward, that's going to be big time to help us even keep our weight forward more. As we increase intensity and decrease volume, we're also typically cutting depth, therefore increasing transfer when we're looking at stopping power at a greater height. Guys, give this one a shot. I'm sure that this is one that you're going to find some great carryover for your athletes. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat. Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have a sensational discussion with Josh Ford on his unique voyage through the world of sport performance, how it's led him to where he is today, and the massive impact that it's had on on the student-athletes that he gets to work with on a daily basis. You know, after we talk about the path that led him from Canada to the States, back to Canada, back to the States, and then back to Canada again, we're going to get right into the impact that it had on the athletes that he gets to work with and how they built a program that expanded from just a couple teams to working with all the young people involved in the athletic department. You know, and this group includes, you know, the building of the program with the women's hockey team that just recently won the national championship up in Canada. And he shares with us the step-by-step five-year plan of how they built the relationships. And they started from ground zero of using exercise videos and DVDs with the women before he got to work with them to being the best team in all of Canada. You know, and, and then we're going to finish off, guys, talking about relationships and how he's built them and, and how athlete engagement in the training process has been the real driving factor with everything that they're doing up there. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Josh, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Hey, excited to be here, man. I am amped. Yeah, brother. You know, I missed you this July, man. We we had some fun. We we needed our boys from up north to, to come down again and spend some time with us. But, you know, for the people out there who may not know who you are and where you're at, let's let's get into, you know, typically we do this quick. But your story is unique, and I think that it's one that people need to hear about, especially in today's world of 
strength and conditioning, high performance, sport performance, whatever the heck we're calling ourselves today. Um, Tell us about Josh. Tell us about where you're at and and let's hear this story about how you really got there. Well, first of all, I apologize for not being there this summer because I know there's a lot of tasty craft beer to drink. Unfortunately, I got married in mid-June, so my wife was not going to allow me to leave shortly thereafter uh, for a conference. But um, yeah, that, I, that will let go this one time. <laughs> so excited for next year, though, for sure. Um, you know what's funny is I had a I had a, uh, a high school co-op student last year, and you know he asked me, he was like, "Hey, he's a really keen young kid," and he was like. Hey man, like, you know, your job's really cool. Can you tell me about like how you ended up where you're at? I said, holy crap, man, I got to take you out for lunch then. So I took him and another uh, university co-op student out for lunch and just kind of, I said, okay, you know, we chit chat and I said, okay, you guys want to hear the whole thing? And like an hour later, they were like, whoa, okay. Um, you know, you should write a book. So I don't know if that's, if I ever write a book, I don't know if it'll be about that, but um where to start so after high school like i was into sports and stuff i didn't know exactly what i was going to do uh after high school i went and worked the day after i graduated i went and worked at a hotel and housekeeping my brother was working at this hotel so i did everything dude i cleaned rooms i scraped toilets um you know delivered stuff terms anything that you could possibly think of which was interesting and then ended up so i, I was learning to do the dirty work at a younger age but Ended up uh, going to film school, of all things, which was a cool experience. It was like 16 months straight through. Um, got to be behind the camera, in front of the camera, editing, video editing, all this stuff. And it was fun, but I realized I didn't want to have to kiss ass as much as most people did in that field. And it wasn't really where I wanted to go. So it was cool to be learn how to be a part of a team in that setting. And I ended up, of all places, being hired at a good life you know what good life is, Jay? No. It's like a big chain. It's like the biggest fitness chain in Canada. And so at the oh, Eaton neat. Center, big, big mall in, in downtown Toronto, I ended up being hired uh, by this young lady to, I, I applied to work at the front desk, to be honest with you. And she hired me as a personal trainer. She thought I was, she thought I was cute. I ended up dating her, stole her away from a Calvin Klein underwear model. So that's one of my claim to fame in life. Um, not my wife though, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) so I ended up there for a year, you know, screwed up a bunch of stuff. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, you know, learned a lot, hated the sell, like the sales side of things. And I said, okay, I got to go back to school. So I applied as a mature student. I didn't have like any sciences going, like coming out of high school. Um, I was the guy that had to do workplace math in order to graduate high school because I just the number thing didn't didn't jive well for me. Uh, I applied to two places: uh, University of Western Ontario, now known as Western University, and uh, York University. Western lost my application, kept my money, and uh, York admitted me, so I ended up there. Um, while I was there, I ended up meeting up with uh, Steve Lidstone. He was one of the first full-time strength coaches in Canada. So, you know, our field in Canada is still pretty fresh. Uh, you know, I was telling you offline there that we still have universities in Canada that don't have full-time strength coaches, like same size as any other university. They might hire out contractors. The head coach might be responsible for, for training people. So it's a, it's a different, different beast up here. Um, so worked with Steve there. I knew I wanted to get other experience. I wanted to, to do different things and connect with different people and, 
So I ended up applying after my first year, I applied for an internship at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning. So I went down there for a summer. I ended up in a great class of interns. Uh, Devin McConnell was in that class. Dan LeBird, who's with uh, the Nets now. Um, it's just some really, really good people in that class. So got connected with some awesome people. It's where I said, you know, like I learned how to coach because we had you know, like 300 athletes through there a day. So coming from, you know, the, the pro guys and the, the collegiate guys in the morning through to um, the, the kids and the, you know, the youths in the afternoon. And uh, it was a good place to cut my teeth. So I came back from uh, MBSC knowing everything, right? Uh, I, was, uh, I was an expert at that point, obviously. So uh, I said, okay, I got to figure out where I'm going to go and use all this newfound knowledge. I want to work with basketball in, uh, in Canada. And I was in Toronto. I was like, what the hell am I going to do? What's basketball in Toronto? I was like, okay, we got the Raptors. I'm probably, that's probably a bit of a stretch. I'm not going to end up there. Um, and, uh, I emailed Roy Rana, who's the head coach at Eastern Commerce Collegiate Institute, just on a whim. Like I just Googled his email and found it. And, uh, he said, okay, why don't you come and meet with me the next day? And I remember meeting with him in this dingy old office and, uh, in, just off the gym, this tiny little gym where Jay, the, the three point line, it didn't even go into the corner cause the gym was too small. So like guys would step across half and just launch it because that's how small the gym was. It was, it was pretty cool. This school had an unbelievable history. Uh, Jamal McGlure played there, Tristan Blackwood, multiple guys going division one. McGlure played in the league. He's a coach with the Raptors now. So I meet with Roy for like 10 minutes and, and he said, you know, asked me a few questions and he says, all right, you're hired. You're running warm up in like five minutes. So that was kind of like, okay. Uh, you know, I went out and, and, uh, you know, did my thing and, and had a, a great year, year and a half, two years. Roy ended up, uh, he's coached with Canada basketball, worked at, so he went from Eastern commerce to, uh, Ryerson university, worked with him there for a year and uh, stayed working with Eastern commerce. Uh, Roy now works. He's uh, last year, got a job with the, uh, Sacramento Kings. So Tina Murray, other Canadian down there is, you know, director of sports performance or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, Roy there, Roy's there as well. So the connections and, and things that happened, uh, you know, I feel really blessed for and, and, uh, and connect. So I went, uh, got connected through Roy on the Canada basketball front, uh, worked with you know, the youth teams initially. So our, our cadet team, which was our youngest team and our, our, uh, junior team. And, uh, uh, and, and then ultimately the senior team, the development team throughout the years. And that, you know, that gave me a bunch of great contacts. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out of school at this point now, you know, I'm thinking, geez, I, I really want to work division one basketball. There wasn't a lot, wasn't a lot going on. I connected with, uh, Todd Wright at the university of Texas, uh, when he was still there and, uh, went down and visited one time. I said, you know, I, I remember sending an email and he said, uh, email me back right away. And he was like, Hey, give me a call tomorrow. Give me a cell number and said, I'm really looking forward to, to meeting with you. And I, I bring this up a lot. Cause I was like, man, I'm like a 22 year old guy. I'm like jazz. Yeah. Todd Wright must have, he's excited to talk to me tomorrow. Right. That was the, that was the thing. So he said, Hey man, anytime you want to come down, come down, we can hang out, do whatever, as much or as little as you want and, and uh, spend some time with us. So I went down for a week one time and just kind of hung around as a fly on the wall. <clears throat> Todd and, and Logan Schwartz was there at the time. And man, those guys were, uh, 
they were doing things a special way. It was pretty cool. So that opened my eyes to some stuff from Gary Gray and some different things there. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty cool experience. Um, the, uh, so that's going to come back cause I was trying to get a job D1. So I, I applied for hundreds of jobs. I applied to get into grad school at the university of Texas and go down and and work with Todd. That didn't work out for me, uh, fortunately. And I'm, and, you know, I'm kind of stuck. I'm like, what am I going to do? There's not a lot of jobs in Canada. I really want to work division one sports. What do I do? And I just applied for hundred, like over a hundred jobs. And most of them, I heard nothing, nothing, nothing. Then I get an email back finally from the head guy at the university of Evansville. So shout out purple aces who beat Kentucky recently, uh, when they were number one. And, uh, he said, hey, we hired this guy. It didn't work out. Do you want to come down? And I said, I it's kind of a phone interview. And I was like, sure, man. So worked out all the, the visa stuff. I actually ended up paying out of pocket for a lawyer to do my uh, to do my visa application. And I take a bus to, to uh, Buffalo to fly to uh, Evansville, Indiana. So it's a bus full of people I don't know. It's like midnight. We get to the border. Uh, on the way to the airport and I get held up at the, at the border. The guy looks at my stuff and he's like, so, uh, here's your paperwork. He said, um, here's my flight information and all this stuff. Like, what do you want to know? He goes, well, where's your permit work permit? I said, I don't have any of that. I'm not getting, uh, uh, sorry. That's a different story. That's my Mike Boyle story, but I get, <laughs> that happened. That happened when I was going down to, to Boyle another time. So I go, and and this guy's just grilling me in the secondary. Uh, I got too many border stories. This guy's grilling me in secondary for for what I'm going to go do down in in uh, in Evansville. Uh, and finally, they let me go. And and uh, it was uh, if you've never been grilled at a border before in secondary uh, inspection, uh, I don't recommend ever doing it because it's pretty terrifying. And they basically you walk up and they're like. I've never actually approved a visa like this before. I don't think it's going to happen. So uh, all was well. I went down there. I ended up, I was working with basketball, and uh, swimming and diving and uh, softball. And the head guy there was, a, he was, he was crazy. He was a bit wild. Uh, I was making tiddlywinks. They gave us a place to stay. Uh, there was one other, I was making like a little bit of money. And then the other guy that was there, Jordan Stanley is now strength coach for men's basketball at uh, Boston college. So you may know him, Jay. Uh, I'll actually I was, see him Saturday. Beauty. Tell him I said, hi. I will. He's got a beautiful family. Um, I was sleeping on an air mattress. So here I am. I made it. I remember I sat down and I wrote an email and it took me probably two hours because I thought of every person who had ever helped me along the way. And uh, I wrote the email and I said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to all these people. But I was sleeping on the air mattress. We had to sell pulled pork and a Schnucks grocery store parking lot uh, to make some money on the side. We ran speed clinics and it was just kind of crazy. Like it wasn't glamorous at all. And, and uh, so I ended up getting connected with Kyle Tarp at the University of Maryland who had just taken over sort of head, head basketball coaching duties, strength coaching duties, uh, ended up at, at the University of Maryland and uh, for the rest of that year uh, in the States 
And then I came back uh, for a variety of reasons. I had a girlfriend back home at the time. My mom's health wasn't good, still wasn't good. And I wanted to kind of be closer to home. And I came back to Canada, Jay, and there was no jobs. Like it was the same thing over again. There was some, there were some dark times. Like it was, it was challenging. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I think we don't talk about all the time is like, you know, things don't always go our way, you know, like, like I'm in a decent spot now, but there was times when I was like, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm waiting around trying to create opportunities and, it just wasn't working out and, and it wasn't fun. And uh, I ended up working in the private sector at a fitness as a fitness manager at this club that Equinox had just purchased. And uh, then I got connected. So I did that for I don't even know how long. Got connected to uh, Steve Lidstone again. Um, so it, it's funny how these come, th- these things come full circle. I ended up working at uh, McMaster University where I met my wife. Uh, for a year. And now I'm at the University of Guelph. So that's like the longest intro story you've ever heard, Jay. Um, And we're about an hour and a half west of Toronto. Uh, When I started, it was three sports, six teams, basketball, volleyball, hockey. I was the only full-time person, didn't even have a facility. We were sharing with football and, uh, you know, we've grown quite a bit. So now it's myself, one one other full-timer. We got a part-timer. 15 student staff, uh, work studies, that sort of thing. And we serve as 10 teams in a, in a new facility that we're about to expand, actually. Yeah, man. And I think that there's a lot to take home from that. The first and foremost is, you know, this, this ongoing discussion that people have about kind of the state of the industry or profession or vocation or whatever we're calling it. And compensation and setting things when it comes to being younger people in the um in the field you know i I think that someone who uh literally has been put through the ringer um literally by the border patrol twice um i even got my stories confused yeah well you're gonna have a unique experience to that you know like um, and that happens to a lot of people that I, I've heard, um, that come over. Um, I know at I least one other person that has had it. I wouldn't even try it now. Cause I don't think the, the state of the, the, of North America right now, it'd be very easy to, as a Canadian to get a job in the U S but you know, some, some of the things that people have said before, uh, I forget where I heard this first, but like make the big time where you're at. Right. And it's like, you can't tell me that the student athletes that we have here aren't like they're human. Everyone's human. Right. And so we're, we work with people every day and it doesn't matter if they're winning a final four or four or whatever it is, like we're still competing and, and those are still relationships that we're building with people. And so like, I love my job now. And whereas previously it was like, I want to work division one. That's the, that's the, you know, ultimate. And then I ended up there and I'm like, I'm, I'm like sleeping on an air mattress, eating yogurt for dinner, you know, like working 14 hour days, having to sell pulled pork in a grocery store parking lot. And, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm in a much different place and I have more perspective now. So it's, it's, I'm certainly eternally grateful for all those people and those connections I had along the way to, to help me get where I'm at. And now where you're at, 
you're in a pretty unique situation as well because you've been able to, like you said, you started out with what, like basically like two and a half teams down there um, yep. in the weight room. And now you, you've expanded and the athletes have had some pretty awesome success. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been a fun ride. Um, one of the reasons I, there was actually, you know, uh, and, and if any of my Canadian colleagues listen to this, they'll, uh, they'll appreciate this, but there was a few jobs that kind of came up around the same time when this Guelph job came up and we all, we all interviewed for it. We all kind of knew what was going on and there's another one at another school and a couple more things. And, um, so it was, it was, I was really fortunate to, to one, get the job and then to be able to work with another guy, Jordan Foley, uh, who, who works with the military now, but, um, so it was great to, it was a great place to sort of lay a foundation. They had never had a full-time strength coach before Foley was coming in to work directly with the football team. I was coming in to work with those other six teams and, uh, it was just a, a great start, a great place to kind of kick something off and, and make a bunch of mistakes and, so uh, culminated last year, first ever national championship. I've been a part of our women's hockey team, uh, first ever national championship for the school. And uh, it was, I, I still, I was like shoveling my driveway the other day, Jay. And, and I just laugh, like every once in a while, I just kind of laugh because I'm just, it's just like, still hits me. Like, man, I can't believe, I can't believe we won. Like, I believe we won. I believe they did it. I knew they would, but you know, it's, it was, uh, it's just was such a cool experience. So let's talk about that experience because you, you guys did do a lot of building and all of the things that, you know, come together when it comes to putting a team like that together. Yeah. When I first met this team, so I got hired in March, which was kind of the end of the season um, for most of our sports around here. And, and uh, the first time I ever met with this team was postseason. They had just come off a loss, I think in the semifinals. <clears throat> And it was, we had this like little tiny gym in the back and, uh, they were sort of sitting on a bench. The coach had rolled out a TV with a DVD player on a stand and they were about to do an insanity DVD. Like that was going to be their sort of transition program after the season. I was like, okay, like this, you know, this is, this is where we're at and credit to the coach. Cause like, she's awesome. Like, uh, Rachel Flanagan, one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's been it's been a, a great sort of process, and and we've uh, we've been able to do some cool things. And but credit to her because she was like, okay, we get, we're doing something. But that was kind of where we're at, right? So we ended up doing you know our offseason fitness testing, and and just as an example, I was looking back, even I still have the the physical copies of the papers. So in in year one, so that next year, our beep test scores were like uh, average, maybe low eights. Like there was some like high sixes and like it just wasn't very good. And and then you look back to where we're at or you, you look at where we're at now and we're averaging like mid to high tens. And so as a team. And so we've, you know, we've really and it, and it wasn't like one thing that happened there to drive that, but they've made so much progress. So, you know, from from meeting them in a small gym with a TV on a stand, watching Insanity DVD to a national championship, there's a bunch of things that went into place. So. Year one for me was an evaluation year. We're like, where are we at? You know, what do we like? Do these girls train? Did they ever train before? Like, what are we going to do with them? Um, what's their training background? So there, there was a lot of me trying to figure things out in that first year. We ended up, I remember I was at my birthday dinner with my, my wife 
And uh, we were up 3 nothing in the third period at Nationals against St. FX, and we ended up losing 4-3. And I was, like, on my phone watching it. My wife had taken me out to dinner. I'm like, honey, it's my birthday. Do you mind if I watch? She's like, no, no, it's cool. Uh, so, so tough, right? The next year was all about education. So I figured out, okay, year one, where are we at? Like, what do we have here? What types of people? Uh, the next year is teaching them about the training process. So, you know, how often are we training? What are the things that we're looking for? What are the expectations that, you know, when you come into the weight room, what do we want? What do we expect from a, from a testing standpoint? So when you come back, you know, where do we want you to be? Uh, third year was all about execution. Uh, you know, how committed now that they knew about the training process, they understood, you know, you know, what are the exercises we're doing? What are the, um, you know, what are the things that we're trying to accomplish? Now it was all about trying to execute it at the, at the best, the highest level that we possibly could. And then year four is, you know, what is working and what do we need to change? So I remember some of the girls, uh, came back from an off season and it was like, we just, we did the conditioning, but we don't feel we're in good, you know, we don't feel we're in good enough shape. And I was like, okay, well, I got to do some reflection here and figure out like, what do we have to do differently? Did you actually do it? Did you skip anything? Like what's going on? So one of the things I think, you know, we need to do a better job of as a field is, you know, getting away from autocratic leadership and, and engaging the athletes in the process more. Um, you know, sometimes we don't listen enough. So that's something that, you know, I've, I've really tried to change and, and uh, do differently in the, in the past few years. And uh, we needed to get them engaged. So engagement drives compliance. And I stole this from Jeremy Shepard recently, but, you know, compliance, uh, I think it was Jeremy Shepard. Compliance doesn't equal engagement. Engagement doesn't equal compliance all the time. But we want our athletes to be engaged, not just doing the things that we ask them to do, but really understanding and, and also offering their own input and feedback on that actual process. So that's really what we were driving. Year five, they were all in, Jay. Uh, you know, business-like approach. To give you an example, um, one of our girls, so in – Year two, I believe it was, we uh, made the national semifinal, won our first game, going to overtime, crazy game against UBC, we lose in a shootout. There's one of our girls, I remember coming off the bench in Calgary, I was there at the game, and she was, she was crying, she was in tears, she didn't want to go back at it. She was like, this is too tough, like, this is unbelievable, I kept exhausted, don't know what's going on. She wasn't always a huge weight room girl, but in that year, as she came back, she was like, they were so locked in and, and motivated from the previous year. She said, I mean, she looked at our leaderboard and was like, I want to set the hand cleaning record. What is it? What do I have to do? And it's like, we all use relative strength for all our strength power lifts. And she worked her way to it in the preseason, in the first half of the season. And, and her teammates were like, just absolutely, you know, enthralled and, so excited for her it was so awesome it was so awesome to see and uh and that's when i was like okay they're engaged they know what's up they they're, they're motivated to win and that and then in that last year so here's what i did people ask me like hey what'd you guys do different you know what did you guys do in, in the year that you won and um i screwed up the beep test at the start of the year that's my that's my answer so i had the wrong distance completely honest mistake first time i've ever done it uh screwed up the uh the the beep test distance at the uh, at the start of the year and uh, i think they got to like three or something like that and then i had to start them over so 
I will never, uh, I will never live that one down, but they still won a national championship that year. So I can't complain. I love that. And I think that the biggest take home from that is the idea of, of bringing the athletes in and having them be more engaged because this, this tends to be something that now more and more is becoming less of a buzz statement and more of a, um, like, like uh, a building block, I don't think is the right term, but I think you know where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the we don't, to give you another example, I think, I think just, just in general, we don't ask for feedback enough, right? Like people are, everyone has biases, everyone has insecurities, and nobody likes, like, well, most people don't like hearing like, hey, you didn't do a very good job at that, or I want you to do this differently. And so, it doesn't mean that, you know, a lot of people will avoid that. So they'll avoid having those conversations or they'll avoid people that they kind of know aren't into it. I remember like, I remember we had a kid, just thought of another example. We had a kid a few years ago on our volleyball team that he just questioned everything that he did or everything that we did. And he was like, how come we're not doing this? How come we're not doing that? And at first I was kind of resistant to it. I was like, dude, just shut up and like train this, you know, we're not doing anything stupid. Just, just go for it. And then you know, it was, it, it kind of hit me. I remember, I remember being at dinner one time with my assistant and he was like, we were talking about this and, and, and this particular individual. And I was like, like, those are the things that actually eat me up. Like, I don't want that guy to not trust us in the process. And like, we're not ever able to keep everybody happy, but you know, like those are the things, like, how do we reach those people? You know, what's the wooden quote? It's, they haven't taught, uh, you haven't taught until they've learned. Like he didn't, you know, and, and I seek to understand, like, I didn't understand where he was coming from. And he was a bit of a different dude, but, and I don't know if we ever really reached him in the way that we wanted, but I certainly made, like, I certainly tried. And so I did things different and I made, you know, concessions to him and, and, and tried to, to meet him where he was at so that he could get the things that he needed. And, and I don't think we do that enough. I think we use that sort of autocratic style and we're trying to tell people what to do where it's like, we're just we're providing the path, you know, it's like we write a program. It's a, it's a, a, a hypothesis, right? Like my training program, I think this is what's going to happen, but it doesn't always happen. People don't always adapt in the same way. And, you know, it becomes when, you know, when we're training, we got 300 student athletes we work with, with, you know, two and a half full-time staff. We're not doing an individualized program for people, but, you know, we might do something on the day and we're certainly working around injuries and things like that. But the other thing is we got to, we got to engage them in being a bit more autonomous. And so one of the things that I've done differently, like our rugby squads in season now, Jay, for lower body lifts, well, for, for a few lifts, I give them choices. Right. And I'm like, I know I'm not the only one who does this. It's not groundbreaking, but Hey, you come in, you just got beat up over the weekend. Anyone who's played rugby or worked with rugby before knows this. They come in and they're like, I don't want a front squat. I don't want a back squat today. I might like split squat. And so, you know, giving them the the choice kind of makes them feel more a part of the process. And, and, and then it's like, Hey, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just showing you the path and you're going to make some good choices. Yeah, dude, totally. And then on top of that, it's like, you know, allowing them to understand that you understand, I think is worth its weight in gold as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, because when, you know, our guys will come in the day after an off day and we'll give them like a similar set, you know, like, 
at the end of the day, who, who cares which exercise it is when it comes to just continuing to groove these patterns at that point, like our point guard that just played 39 minutes, two nights in a row. Like, yeah, you know, he's probably going to give me a couple looks. If I say we're going to put a bar on your back today. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, those, those conversations need to just need to keep happening more and more. And, and I think we need to be more open as coaches to, to realizing and understanding, like, I think sometimes we overvalue our, our, our input, right? Like we overvalue what we do. And that's part of our bias because it's like, you know, when I was, uh, when I was younger, not even that long ago, you know, it was like, you, you almost make it more about you. And it's like, yeah, I got them in shape and we did that. We did this. And then, you know, you get a little bit older and have a bit more perspective. And it's like, they're the ones playing the games. They're the ones doing all this. It's not about us. It's about supporting them and doing what they need. And, and I'm more and more convinced that we need to have more of those conversations. And, you know, uh, it's the, I wrote down a quote here that I, I thought was good, but it's, um, well, I'm going to screw it up, but we want to, we want to invest uh, our greatest resource, which is time and our greatest asset, which is our people. And sometimes like there's coaches I know D1 that are, or, you know, D1, D2, D3 that are, you know, on the floor for 10 hours a day and training like 25 teams and it's crazy. And, you know, we're in sort of a similar situation, but I'm starting to invest more time doing one-on-one stuff with people, whether it's a one-on-one conversation, whether it's a one-on-one training session, a debrief, deep dives into some, you know, injury related things and showing them how collaborative we can be. Uh, you know, with some of the people that work with them, our, our sports med staff, and you just build trust, right? You spend like time is is a finite resource, so that's the thing that people, if you if you can show them that you're investing in that finite resource in them, then they're going to appreciate you. And that's why stuff like handwritten notes are so important. It's easy to send an email, say, "Hey, thanks, man, I really enjoyed the conversation." It takes me time to sit down and write a, a handwritten note. And so one of the things that I do, for instance, is we do uh, Iron Griffin Awards every summer. So like our top our top attended athletes for training sessions in the, in the summers, they get an Iron Griffin shirt. And I just write them a short card, right? Like, but, but it's got to be really authentic and, and uh, you know, say some nice things, but challenge them in there too to, to continue to be better and better leaders and and i think they appreciate that because it takes shows that i've taken time to actually think about them no a thousand percent dude and i think that there are still people that at times look at that and it's they say you know there's really not a difference between a text message or a handwritten note but i i do agree 100 percent with what you're saying is that it just shows that you're willing to give a little bit more to, to do a little bit more and to spend a little time and, and a little more thought to it yeah, exactly. For sure. Well, listen, brother, let me get you out of here on this. Where can people see more of what you guys are doing up there? Because you guys do share a lot. You guys do post a lot of what you're doing with the kids. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, let me see here. Uh, my Instagram, I guess, is – I think it's jdford85. jdford85. Uh, you'll see a lot of pictures of my daughter. You'll see a lot of pictures of my dog. And I got to – I. I haven't posted as much training stuff uh, recently, but you know we do more of that stuff on on the uh, on the stories. And then my, my uh, 
my assistant, Mac James. I don't know what his Instagram is off the top of my head, but you can find him. He's posting stuff. Um, GriffinPerformance.ca is a website for our performance academy. So one of the things that we do differently, Jay, in Canada is we train youth athletes from the community to generate revenue to support our positions. Um, and uh, that's what, so that's the, the website for that. Um, but uh, that's kind of, that's, that's bad. I mean, I'm on Twitter too, but I'm usually just retweeting stuff. So uh, hit me up there. You can shoot anybody that have questions for me, shoot me an email, joshford at uoguelph.ca. Uh, happy to chat anytime. Awesome, man. Appreciate it, brother. We'll be in touch really soon. Okay. Thanks, Jay. Have a great day, man. Yeah, man. You too. Cheers. And a huge thanks to Josh Ford for spending the time with us today, guys. Some open, honest, candid sharing. And if I can be completely frank, a message that needed to be shared. You know, I think right now in the climate of strength and conditioning, we are consistently throwing shots and fire and, and, and some anger at compensation, hours, um, you know, all of the things associated with what we do. Albeit, yes, should we be compensated more? I believe so. Are the hours awful? I would say that they are challenging at times, yes. But we also have to remember we've come a long way. And you look at Josh's story and you need to understand how far we have come and, and we're moving in the right direction. Have we gone far enough? No, no way. I don't think so. But am I saying that we should be happy with where we are? No, again, I don't think so. But we're moving in the right direction, and we need to remember we're such a young profession. And I think that at times we get a little fired up and a little mad about the situation, but we don't realize how far we've come. So, yes, we need to continue to work forward, but we need to remember that there's plenty of people like Josh who have been through quite a bit worse than what a lot of people are, and there weren't people out there willing to do things to help them as much as there are people now. So, Josh, I can't thank you enough for being so open, honored, and candid with your sharing today. And sharing your story, man, because I think it's one that a lot of people need to hear. And this isn't saying, you know, that wear the badge of honor and this, that, and the third. What it is is saying is the man went through a lot, and he's in a great spot now, and he paid his dues, and he did a lot of things to build a program and to build a staff and to build a better uh, department up there, and he deserves credit for that. So, Josh, keep kicking ass, man. Keep up the great work. I'd, I couldn't be happier to hear that you're doing awesome up there in Canada, buddy. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.